0: All right. Well, this morning, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn. Let's let's. You'll start out in, in Ezra, so that's going to be sort of our our launching point. Because uh, I w- I was asked at the abolition conference to to give a, a talk on repentance and how repentance is is action. Specifically, the idea being, okay, if we realize that what we've been doing with you know pro life incrementalism uh, isn't the answer, or or isn't what you know the bible would call us to do like the best like uh, that the bible would call us to do um in terms of how we are supposed to be addressing evil if that's the case then what's next so so there are a lot of people at the conference who are were new to this whole idea of abolitionism uh, and new uh, to this whole idea of doing anything other than what we've been doing for the past 48 years. So it was just, uh, for them it was, you know, the idea was, okay, if, you've, if you're getting this new stuff, we then need to, we need to repent. We need to change. There needs to be action. Not just a mental recognition. Uh, hey, I should probably be doing things different, but an actual physical response to that. And as we were uh, talking about it, and as I was getting ready for it, I even told Leslie, I was like, you know what? Really, the church doesn't talk a lot about repentance anyway. Uh, And I thought, you know, if you go back, like, for example, what was the first theses in Martin Luther's 95 Theses? That the Christian life is to be a life of repentance. Uh, That it would be a a, a constant uh, aspect of the Christian life would be identifying sin, repenting of it, And turning, but we, the 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 Christian world, has has become in many ways afraid of the subject of repentance. Uh, We don't talk about it very. Some people don't talk about it. We don't talk about it for multiple reasons. Some people don't talk about repentance. Uh, because they don't want to scare anybody off, right? They don't want to point out any sin to begin with. So if we don't point out any sin, there's nothing to repent of. Uh, so, the, you know, they're, they're already, they already don't like things like substitutionary atonement. They don't like Jesus dying. They don't like blood talk. They don't like having to appease the wrath of God. They don't want any of that. So there is a group. That doesn't talk about repentance for that reason. But, but even good, solid, Bible-believing Christians, we, we struggle with the issue of repentance and talking about repentance. Because in many ways, it's like we feel if someone tells us to repent, that they are somehow doubting our faith. If someone says, hey, you know, you need to repent of that. It's as if they're saying, hey, you are not really a Christian. And I think that's the exact opposite of what the Bible tells us. It's the exact opposite of what the Bible shows us. And that's a problem because if you look scripturally, well, one, it's a problem because if that's how we view things, then when anyone calls out our sin, or if anyone uh, if anyone addresses a sinful behavior that we have, be it our, our wives or our, our, our husbands or our friends or our pastors, we're naturally going to get defensive. We're naturally going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who do you think you are? Or defensive, like who do you think you're? Or defensive, like oh no, I'm the worst, you know, whatever. Uh, so, so we want to get out of that because that's just going to get us in a naturally defensive position. But also, that's just not the the biblical picture of how we should respond to calls for repentance. We're, we're viewing repentance in a negative way. So, I wanted to talk about repentance today. Because it's it's really good for us to understand how the Christian life is a life of repentance and what that repentance looks like. What repentance is supposed to be in the life of the Christian. And I want to start off by seeing that that repentance is actually a positive thing in the life of the Christian. That repentance, so someone calling us to repent uh, isn't someone doubting our faith. Someone calling you to repent to change and again part is because that word just sounds so harsh repent uh we've turned it into you know this this really harsh sounding word it's not that someone is doubting your faith if someone calls on you to repent of your sin to change to confess and turn that person is actually there's actually an expectation that your faith is genuine they're not, the person who tells you to repent isn't doubting your faith. The person that's telling you to repent is actually expecting that your faith is genuine and that you do hate your sin and you want to identify sin and turn from it. And so that's why when talking about repentance, I said begin in Ezra. That's where we're going to launch from. But but just give us the positive. You'll actually see Isaiah chapter 30 to begin with. And, and I want you to see how Scripture paints repentance in a positive light For the believer, that repentance is actually a sign of genuine faith. So we're going to launch into repentance, and I want you to see that this is this is repentance is a good thing. You should want to know about repentance. You shouldn't want to sin and have to repent, uh, but you should want to you should rejoice that repentance is available for the Christian uh, and is a sign of genuine faith. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. Says, For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning, that's the Hebrew word for repentance, as we're going to see in just a second. In returning, in repentance and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and tr- in trust shall be your strength. Let's pray. Father, I pray that today, that as we look at, at repentance and what it looks like, how it works out in the Christian life, Father, I pray that, that we would put this to work, not just in the area of, uh, of abortion, Father, but in every area of our life. That we would see when you identify sin to us, and when you show us either things we need to stop doing or things we need to start doing, uh, that, Father, we must get to work obeying you. That's part of, like it says here, it's part of our genuine faith. It's part of our salvation, that repentance and, and rest, it comes from you. And, Father, in it we find quietness and trust. And so, Father, help us to see those things. Help us to be a repentant people. Help us to be a people who are constantly turning from our sin and turning towards you. It's in Christ's name we pray. And it's in Christ alone that we can do this. Amen. All right. So, so here we see from, from Isaiah 30, rather than, rather, than, uh, rather than repentance being a problem, repentance should bring us comfort. When you and I repent of our sins, it should bring us comfort, rest here, surety of our salvation. It shows, because what does repentance do? Repentance, if if we pull back to like Jesus' parable of the soils. Repentance, so you've got, this is why the Christian life is the life of repentance. In three of those soils, you had an initial repentance, right? You had some of them that didn't respond to the word of God at all. And then you had three that had repentance at the beginning, right? But then some were burned out, some were choked out, but one showed itself to be fertile soil. Repentance in the Christian life actually shows that our hearts are fertile for the work of God. That our hearts are rich for our holification. So when you and I are confessing our sin and repenting, then we're actually showing that our salvation is genuine. If, and it's, it's, The other option is either you are already a perfect believer, right? Blameless, not just in this generation, but in all generations to come. Uh, or either you're blameless and have nothing to repent of, nor will you ever have anything to repent of. Uh, or you're just hard-hearted to anything that God tells you. Those are the options. Either you're going you to, right now, either you're someone who wants to and will need to or doesn't need repentance because you're perfect. Or the other temptation is I, I will not change. There are things I will not change in my life. You are an unrepentant person. Uh, And both of those are dangerous. Repentance is going to be needed for the heart of a healthy Christian. It'll be a life. We'll have a lifetime of repentance. Will we be blameless? Will we be godly? Will we be righteous? Yes, we will be like, no, we'll be like, will we be holy ones? Will we be saints? Yes. But will there be moments that we need to repent and turn to the Lord? Yes. And we need to know what that looks like. The Bible gives us very specific directions on what that looks like because it knows, just like in anything else, we like to set the bar very low. So for many of us, the, the, the low place we set the bar is repentance is just recognition of sin. This is the danger. Repent, the repentance is just recognition of sin. So I realize that I've done wrong and I'm in my pew and I go, Ugh, I should be a better father. Or I'm in my pew, and I go, or I'm preaching from the pulpit, and I go, you really need to be a better husband. You see that text that you're preaching? You better make sure you're living it. You hear, you hear Leslie amen so you better, you know. Uh, and so, so we think that's the repentance, but that is not the fullness of what repentance is. And so that's what we're going to look at today is that repentance is action. That true, genuine, biblical repentance isn't just recognized, it's responded to. It isn't just something that you realize, oh, I need to do better at this. Thank you, Lord, for the conviction. I repent. If you truly repenting, your life will change. If it does not, the Bible says you have not repented and you continue in your sin. So let's see how the Bible lays this out. The Bible is going to show us there is no such thing in the Christian life as passive repentance. No such thing of just constantly feeling bad for the same thing over and over and over. If that's the case, you have not repented because repentance is active. It involves not just a recognition of the wrong, but a response to the right. And if we're going to be a church that is going to be a holy body of believers, if we're going to be a gathering of saints unto the Lord, if we are going to be a righteous and blameless people shining as lights in the midst of this darkness, we are going to need to make sure that we are a people who repent and repent rightly. That we're not just a people who each are holding on to our own personal sins that we're okay with, But when the word of God lays down any sin in front of us, we are all responding the right way with a repentance that isn't just inward, but is outward. Okay, so let's see to see that uh, repentance is action. Stay there or go to Isaiah 10 or not Isaiah Ezra 10 where I told you to be before Ezra 10. So just to set you the, the context. Uh, in Ezra 10, the people have, have recognized their sinfulness, right? We're getting back from the exile here. It's hard to not realize your sinfulness at this point. And the people have recognized it. People have realized that they, they have had continued sinfulness uh, in their lives. Let's say maybe for the last 48 years or so that they've been handling things wrong. Uh, so they've got continued sinfulness. And, they're, and they are, they, I mean, this is what you would, this would, this is, this would be a picture of revival here. Because you've got, you've got Ezra out there with the people, they're all praying, they're all confessing, they're all weeping. And when I say all, I mean the Bible says men, women, and children, all confessing their sin, weeping bitterly, all of them trembling, right? These are the shakers. They're all shaking and quaking at the word of the Lord. If you were to look at that, you would say, that is repentance. You might even say, like I said, that is revival. But Ezra says, not so fast. Because look at what Ezra says in Ezra chapter 10, verse 11. He says, now then, they're, they're confessing, they're shaking, they're trembling, they're weeping. He says, now then, make confession to the Lord. The God of your fathers and do his will so what's ezra is showing us weeping alone was not the answer weeping alone is not repentance trembling even at the word you can be sitting in your pew and say i am the worst husband i need to do better lord i'm so sorry you can say i am the worst church member forgive me. i forgive that i've not been the type of church member i need to be you can be trembling in your pew trembling before the word of god And yet, if you do not, then not just confess, but do what God has said, you have not repented. Ezra says, make confession and then get to work. Recognize your failure and then start doing what you're supposed to already have been doing. Repentance is not just recognition of wrong. Repentance is response to the right Repentance is not just awareness, it is action. So that's why Ezra can come to a bunch of people who are weeping and crying, men, women, children. You would look at that and say, oh, we've done it. They've, you know, they've repented, look at them, this is wonderful. And Ezra can go to that group of people, weeping and crying, trembling at the word of God and says, all right, now get to work. Don't just sit there and cry, right? <laughs> don't, don't just like get up and do confess and then do his will but we're going to see Ezra's not developing Ezra's not just some hardcore guy here he's not developing some nouveau idea of what repentance is isn't is some extreme model here for the for the exiles because they really were really bad repentance has always involved action it always has it's always involved a change both a recognition and a response in fact God has written it in the very words he used for repentance themselves the very words in the Bible for repentance are words that imply action. The Hebrew word for repentance is the word sub, as you as you all know. Uh, and all that word means, it, it, it's, it'll be translated repent a lot in your Bibles. But at its most basic Hebrew level, it just really means to turn back. I mean, in fact, it'll be, so for example, you'll see it translated in your Bibles like we saw, uh, like we just saw earlier in Isaiah 30, you saw it translated return, same word, repent, return, same word, it just depends on how the translator wants to translate it, but the idea behind it is certainly what? You're going somewhere, and this way that you were once going, you need to what? You need to turn back. You need to turn and go the other way. It is implying so that very word is implying some sort of action on our parts. So it's not just, a, it is not just something that we can, can just do mentally. There is a change involved. Even the New Testament word, metanoeo, is, is a word that is meta, like metamorphosis, change. Uh, and noeo, which is, which is like gnosis, thinking, mind, a change of the mind. So so as you're looking, the, the heart of both of those ideas is what? Repentance is change. It is an action that takes place. These are not passive realities. These are active responses. When we repent, it involves us doing something. Not just something being done to us. Not just a recognition, but again, a response. They are action words. I mean, repentance is a verb, There's no such thing as passive repentance. So if we grow to realize that we've handled a situation wrong, if we go to realize that we've handled a sin wrong, we must not just recognize that mentally, we must be involved physically. Repentance means being involved physically in that as well. So if you realize that you have been living a way you should not live, either by not doing what you should be doing, or doing what you shouldn't, to repent of that is not just to recognize that. True repentance will involve a change in your life. And if you do not change in your life, is there, if there's not an action that follows even the trembling at God's word. Even if you were sitting in your pew weeping and weeping bitterly and your wife's sitting next to you and she's weeping and weeping bitterly, your children are sitting there, they're weeping, you got your arms all around each other and you're saying, we're going to do better, guys. You know, we're going to be a godly home, you know, for the Lord. And if you don't then get up and do his will, you have not repented. It is not just confession. It is not just weeping. It is not even just trembling at his word. It is confessing and doing. And so let's look at a, uh, today at how the Bible speaks of repentance as action. The first thing we're going to see is it is confessional action. We saw this, Ezra mentioned this in chapter 10, confess and do his will. So confession is certainly a part of the repentance. It, it is an aspect of repentance. It's not the only part of repentance. It tends to be where we cut it off, right? We, we, we tend to say, well, I've confessed it. You know, that's sort of the end. But there is, there, is a, there is a confessional aspect. I think we can maybe see this most clearly in the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter 14. Great book. I mean, if you ever want to see sin and repentance, Hosea is a good one to go to. Uh, Hosea 14, beginning in verse 1, it says this. Return, O Israel. So there's that word for repent. Repent, O Israel. Return, O Israel. To the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and repent and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, accept what is good, and we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses. We will say no more, our God, to the work of our hands. In you, the orphan finds mercy. So here we see that word for repentance again, verse one, verse two, repent, O Israel, take with you words and repent. And look at the words that they take in their repentance. These are words, they come to the Lord, so confess to the Lord these things. If you're repenting, there will be this, repent with these words, take with you words and repent and they are words that are that are pleading a pleading born out of a confession of their failures right you have you have ta- you know you say take away so they've stumbled because of their iniquity that's why they need to return that's why they needed to repent and so when they repent they come with words admitting their iniquity we have failed in this way we have failed to you oh god here is our iniquity these are words of of pleading Hosea is saying if you want to repent O Israel then this is what needs to be on your lips this is the confessional aspect of your repentance and and our repentance must be an uh, an admission of where we have failed not not uh, very specific admission right this is this is a very specific thing right you know this is this is where you can always pull verses out of context here and say, you know, you come to a little girl who likes ponies so much and say, the Bible says we will not ride on horses. Uh, and be like, sorry, so get rid of that spirit thing if you want to be godly. Uh, you know, it's a very specific thing. We're not going to trust in Assyria. We're not going to ride on horses. We're not going to say, this is a, they have thought about their sin. And this is not general sin here. We have done wrong. We will quit doing wrong. We're sorry for the wrong This is very specific conviction. I have done this. We have done this. And it lays it out. We have trusted in the wrong things. We've trusted in Assyria. We've trusted in the number of horses we have. We've trusted in the things we've made and looked at those things and said, Our God, this is what's going to save us. And in doing so, they have failed. They have failed the Lord. But, I mean, if we want to put this in an abortion aspect, who else have they failed? What does it say at the very end of that? In you, the orphan finds mercy. I mean, if you want, if you want to put this in a, in a pro-life, us trying to do what's right for the first time in 48 years sort of context, we could say, we could confess, we have trusted in the Supreme Court. We have trusted in presidents or we've trusted in legislators or we've trusted in polls or polling data. We've trusted in opinions. We've trusted in emotions. We've trusted in all these things except you. We have treated those things as if they are our gods. Those things as if they will provide the answer. And in doing so, we have failed the orphan. We have failed the fatherless because we've been fighting this battle with more concern more faith in nine justices than in one true god when the orphan finds mercy only in him and so here it's a very specific it's a very specific confession here this is our sin. This is what, we've been trusting in the wrong things. We haven't been trusting in you. That's what's led to our iniquity. Even our iniquity of a lack of trust in you, God. I mean, this is, this is where, this is why we warn the danger of anxiety. Anxiety which is rooted in pride. Anxiety which is rooted in a lack of faith. If, you, if, you, if you're an anxious person and you don't kill that anxiety, you're going to start trusting in your own Assyria's. You're going to start trusting in your own horses. You're going to start trusting in your own thing. It's other things that you think can get you through life and will protect you because you don't think God is. That was the problem with the people. So see what your sin is. Confess it. Make sure and confess it. Confess it specifically. Oh, repentance is an, is an open acknowledgement of what we have done wrong. I mean, make a list. I have wronged the Lord. And I encourage you to make a list because. You, you, may, you may be the person that never forgets anything, but if, if you don't write down and remind yourself where you have sinned, I guarantee you, you'll forget. I forgot about riding on horses, right? Or something like that. You'll get two of the three uh, and you'll leave one off and pretend like you did it on accident. Uh, so write it, write it down and say, these, these are the things I am confessing to you. These are the words that I am bringing. Repentance is confession. It's open admission of what we've done uh, what we've done wrong but but admission is not the end of repentance it's not solely an admission confession is not the, it's not solely an admission although again admission is part of the action of repentance it's not the end what is what does Ezra say confess and do confess and do so the, the second thing we're going to see about repentance is repentance is a fruitful action Okay, biblically, repentance bears fruit. So when the Bible talks about repentance, if you've truly repented, we will see the fruit of that repentance. It will be seen in your life. It will be obvious. There are no, you know, uh, invisible apple trees, so to speak. You know, I'm an apple tree, but trust me, you can't see any of my apples, but I promise they're there. Repentance for the Christian will bear that fruit fruit. In, in, in other words, if there is a true change of mind, to, to use the New Testament word, or if there is a true returning to the Lord, then there will be a corresponding change in action. Okay? So true repentance will not just be mental. It will not just be a turning on the spot. We will be able to see, you will be able to see in your own life a cha- the fruit of that repentance. If you've turned to the Lord... That then walking toward him will bear fruit that shows I have really repented. And if there is no fruit, the Bible says, then there probably isn't repentance. No matter how much you confess, no matter how much you weep, no matter how much you tremble at the word, if there is no fruit, there is no repentance. We see this in in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. John the Baptist talking to the Pharisees here, which I would have loved to listen to. Uh, And what does he say in Matthew 3, 8? Bear fruit... In keeping with repentance, bear fruit is worthy of repentance. I like I like that translation. Of maybe a little bit better. They carry the same. It's not that different. Uh, the idea being, if you've truly repented, then there, true repentance is worthy of fruit in your lives. We'll see fruit of that of that repentance. That's what he's telling the Pharisees. He's saying, look, if, if you've truly repented, then show the fruit, Pharisees, because they're coming to, what are they coming to do? We want to be baptized too, like everybody else. Right? We want to we baptism for the remission of sins. And he's like, I don't think you really do. I think you just want to be baptized or to be here because this is what all the cool kids are doing. Uh, and you want to you you probably come and steal some of my power, steal some of my, you know, you want to you sidle up to the Johannine train here, uh, and I'm not going to let that happen. Because he knew what, if, 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 if the repentance is genuine, then the fruit will come of it. Not just you coming and dipping into the water, we'll see it in your life. Why? Because repentance always bears fruit. It always does. If you've taken the ax to the strangling vine of sin, then you can expect the tree to then start bearing fruit because that strangling vine has been cut off. We see this, I love it, Acts, 20, Acts 26. It's a great example of this. Acts 26, beginning of verse 18, Paul's giving this message to Agrippa. He's telling you about the vision he had of Christ and that Christ had given him a message of repentance. And so he says in verse 18 that this message was to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So Paul is preaching that message of repentance, turning from darkness to light, turning from the power of Satan to God. And look at what he says to King Agrippa in verse 19. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, also to the Gentiles... That they should repent and turn to God performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. So Paul's saying that he's telling them they need to turn to the Lord and that if they turn to the Lord, if they repent and turn to God, that repentance will not just be in, there will be fruit of that repentance. There will be deeds that correspond to that repentance. There will be, so, I mean, you could, you could, if you wanted to, you could make a mark here, like James 2 here with, you know, because just as faith without works is dead, here, repentance without works is dead. Repentance without fruit, without deeds, without the works, it's the same word as works in James 2, that's why I said that. Repentance without works, without deeds is dead. Repentance without fruit is dead. It is the fruit of. That shows the genuineness of their repentance. It is the deeds. It is the works that show the repentance is genuine. In the same way that that's true of faith. Anyone can say they feel bad for what they've done. Anyone can say that. Anyone can say they've messed up. But true repentance will be seen by the fruit in their lives. will be seen by the deeds that they do. They will quit talking a certain way. They will quit acting a certain way. They will quit reacting a certain way. They will start picking up this. They will start doing this. There will be fruit if that confession is genuine. Like if the if the Israelites had said, oh, we, we will not trust Assyria anymore. We will not ride on horses. You know, we will not say our God to these things. And then the next week, they're like calling Assyria on the phone and saying, hey, you know, do you mind sending a few troops down here? Or if they start counting their horses again next week, going, oh, we're okay. We've got a bunch of horses. Then, then then, their repentance is not genuine. The fruit of that would be when they not only said they've trusted in Assyria and they're going to stop, but when they stop trusting him. When they stop trusting in their horses. When they stop treating other things like they're gods. It is the, that fruit will show that their repentance was genuine. And if there's no fruit... And the Bible says there's no repentance because the Bible teaches us that, that inaction is actually unrepentance. That if there is no fruit, if there is no action that we do, then we're not actually repentant. You can see this in Jeremiah chapter 4. In Jeremiah chapter 4, we're going to come back to this because it's really a really good passage. Beginning in verse 1, it says this, If you return, there's that word for repent, If you repent, if you return, O Israel, declares the Lord to me, uh, you should repent. If you should return, if you remove your detestable things from my presence, and do not waver, and if you swear as the Lord lives in truth and justice and in righteousness, the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. He's saying, look, if, if you if you say you've repented, then what? Then actually repent. If you say you've returned to me, then actually return to me. And what will that mean? It will mean remove these sins. And what's the implication? If you do not remove these sins, if you keep the detestable things, if you don't live in, in truth and in righteousness and, and justice, if you keep doing the same thing, if you, keep, if you keep acting the same way, then you haven't actually repented. You haven't returned to me. So repentance is, is action, It's it's going to bear fruit. If we do not have action, we do not have repentance. It always bears fruit. There's no such thing as fruitless repentance. If if you say you've confessed a sin and you still continue to be uh, a person like this or keep doing this, you just haven't repented. You you just have hardened your heart to the things of God. You know you should repent. That's why you confessed it. But you didn't go to the end of, of it, which is confess and do so repentance is action, but, but what, what, what action are we looking for? What does that action look like? What sort of fruits should we expect in repentance? So he says, bear the fruits in keeping with repentance. Well, what do those fruits look like? Are we talking apples here, oranges, that weird spiky fruit at the grocery store that I'm afraid to eat, but it looks really interesting? But what are we talking about when it comes to what the fruits are of repentance? Well, the Bible actually tells us those too. So what are the actions of repentance? First, uh, repentance is both inward and outward action, both inward and outward. So just as, and that makes sense, because what is sin? Sin is both inward and outward. Uh, Sin doesn't begin on the outside, you know, you start doing the sin, and you're like, I didn't even know how I got here. What am I doing committing this iniquity? I had no desire to do it, and look, here I am. I mean, sin begins inwardly and then it gives birth to this outward action. So repentance must be both inward and outward. Let's look at a couple of examples. A couple of examples of how true repentance is both inward and outward. And that God says, if you have repented, here's the inward and outward action I want you to do. First is in 1 Samuel chapter 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7. uh, Just context here. The ark was captured. that uh amazing story where the ark is captured by the philistines uh you have you know the you have the sons of eli they're like worthless dudes and he freaks out and falls and he's gotten so fat because he keeps eating the fat that he dies uh and then and then the ark is brought back uh and then it's funny after 20 years after 20 years the scripture tells us the people realize we should probably repent uh so wait now don't use that as your own timeline to be like well i've i've just known about this sin for about five years so i'm pretty good i got another 15 uh but that's what happened they're they're now to the point of repentance and look at what it says first samuel 7 beginning in verse 3 and samuel said to all the house of israel if you are returning to the lord if you are repenting to the lord with all your heart then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord and serve Him only, and He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the baals and the Ashtaroth, and they served the Lord only. So, so if you're returning, like Israel, if you're returning with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods. Direct your heart to the Lord. So you can see if if your repentance is genuine. Then it'll be seen in both an outward change, just putting away these gods, but also an inward one. Direct your heart to the word of the Lord. Serve him only. So you see this outward, put away these gods. That's the outward action. Put them away. Get rid of them. Don't keep them in your house, right? But also inwardly, direct your heart toward the Lord. Serve him only. Let him only have your heart That's not an outward action that they can do. That's an inward one. But it's both inward and outward when the Lord is describing what their repentance will look like. It is not just inward and it is not just outward. It is both. If they had gotten rid of the gods but hadn't turned their heart toward the Lord, that would not have been repentance. They've, they go to their house and throw all their gods outside. They have a, they have a, a pagan god CD burning, you know, outside their, outside their hut, because these, these are my secular idols, and I'm going to throw them out, and we're all going to burn them. But then their hearts weren't really directed to the Lord. They haven't actually repented, right? And that's why later you'll see them burning these off of, you know, the pagan Napster or whatever. Uh, and so they haven't, they haven't done that. In the same way, if they had just, if they had just inwardly, right? Oh, my heart is toward the Lord. And their gods are right behind them, right? All their, all their gods are still there. Their little idols are still set up. You could look at them and say, no, it's not. Why? Because your gods are still there. Your gods, are, this isn't repentance. Because outwardly, there's been no change. Even if you say, oh, inwardly, I'm trusting. the Lord, You'll see that in the outward action as well. How about, let's go back to Jeremiah 4. Jeremiah 4, we, I cut us off before we got here because I didn't want to spoil it for you. But if we read verses 1 all the way through verse 4 instead of verse 1 and 2, look at what it says. If you return, O Israel, declares the Lord uh, to me, then you should return. If you repent, then you should repent. If you remove your detestable things from my presence, do not waver. And if you swear as the Lord lives in truth and justice and in righteousness, the nations shall bless themselves in him and in him shall they glory. For... Thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. If you're going to repent, then repent. What's that going to look like? Remove the detestable things. There's the outward, but also what? The inward sign. Circumcise the foreskin of your hearts. So if there was true repentance, if Israel, or not Israel, if Judah and Jerusalem were truly returning to the Lord, they would be seen both inwardly, hearts circumcised to the Lord, cutting off the filth from my heart. Inwardly, I'm seeking you. I'm desiring you. That's the my affections are turned towards you. But it won't just be inward it will also be outward. Remove the detestable things. Both are involved in repentance. If you're going to return, then return to me. What does he tell them to do? What does he tell them that repentance will look like? Remove these things and circumcise your hearts toward me. Both outward and inward. And biblical repentance will be that. It will always be both outward and inward. It will involve the heart and the life. You will hate your sin And so you will stop doing it. You will love your God. And so you will start obeying him. The two are going to be tied together. Biblical repentance will always involve both inward and outward. But repentance isn't just action. It ain't just any fruit. Biblical repentance is the right action. Meaning this. When it comes to repentance, we don't get to pick and choose how we return to the Lord. Repentance isn't trying to pick out, okay, so I've wronged God. Now, what gift does he want from me? This isn't, oh, does he want flowers? Does he want chocolates? God is not a spurned lover that we have to like woo back to us. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing because that means repentance is not going to be accidentally missed by you. It means this, when God tells, when God shows us what our sin is, our repentance will be fixing what God has clearly shown us. Meaning you're not going to have to figure out how you repent. You're not going to have to figure out what repentance looks like. Repentance is just going to be doing what you should have been doing. Stop doing what you shouldn't have been doing. It's going to be very clear. And that's good because that means that you and I aren't going to want to repent and not know how. It doesn't mean that we're like, oh, I really would fix my relationship with God. I would repent. I would do the outward action, but I'm not sure what the outward action is. It's also helpful because that means, uh, that also means that you can't not repent and say you would if you could have. It's going to be clearly seen what your repentance is supposed to be. I mean, we can't repent. So when you're looking at, you're looking at repentance, repentance isn't so the idea of turning, returning to what? If you're going to return to me, repentance isn't just what you're turning from. Repentance is what you're turning to. He doesn't just say turn because remember, it's not about just turning. It's about returning. So he doesn't say to them, if you're going to turn from your sin, right? That's not what he uses with repentance. He says, if you're going to return to me, not just turn from this, but turn to me, toward something. You cannot repent without already knowing the destination that you're supposed to be headed, without already knowing this is what I've been doing, I need to stop and that's what I should be doing. And, and my repentance will be not just recognizing the wrong, but going toward the right. So, so repentance isn't just action. It is that right action. You know, we, we actually saw that in Ezra 10. I cut off the verse a little bit, but Ezra 10, verse 11. Look at what it says again. Now then, make confession to the Lord the God of your fathers, and do his will. But it continued, right? Separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the foreign wives. So when the people confessed their sin and did God's will, what would that look like? There's a very specific will they had to obey. When he says, confess your sin and do his will, it's not going to just be like, all right. Maybe his will is this and I'm going to do this. He's like, no, here is his will. Here it is right here. Separate from the peoples of the land and from their foreign wives. The genuineness of their repentance would be seen in the rightness of their action. If they did not separate from the peoples and if they kept marrying their foreign wives, then it would mean that they just did not repent. It doesn't matter. It wouldn't matter. If they did a hundred other things, if they didn't do the thing that God told them. It doesn't matter if, if you... So let's say you're convicted of something. You see it in scripture. God is telling you in his word, this is how you're supposed to live. Or telling you in his word, you should not live like this. It doesn't matter if you feel horrible about that and do a hundred other things. It doesn't matter if you stop doing a hundred other things. You do a hundred other actions. If you do not do the one that he has laid out for you, repentance will be seen not just in you doing something, but in you doing the right thing, the right action. And the reason I say that is because that's what Israel liked to do. Israel liked to see their sin, but then try to respond with every other way, but what they saw in their sin. Take, for example, the book of Micah. Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Well, with what shall I come before? So, so what's just happened here in Micah? The Lord has just told the people about their sin. He's just told them about their sin. And so they ask, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with, with burnt offerings, with, with, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? With with 10,000 rivers of oil shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. How very eloquent. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So he's told them about their sin. They know their sin. And so then the question comes, well, then how do we fix it? How do we fix our sin? Lord? How do we repent? How do we return to you? He goes through all these options, all these options. Do you want a bunch of calves? Do you want a bunch of oil? Do you want my firstborn? What is it that you want? I'll do anything. But the truth is that what they need to do in repentance is what God had already told them to do. God had already told them, I've already told you what I want from you. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with me. Any any of those other things, if they'd have brought 10,000 rivers of oil, if they'd have brought 10,000 children, Anything other than what God has said that, that avoided what he told them, that avoided doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. Anything else that they had done, any of those thousand actions, outward signs, look, our repentance is genuine. We're bringing 10,000 rivers of oil. I've got a thousand calves to sacrifice the Lord. Any other action other than the right action would have been unrepentance. No matter how many actions they did. And if you know the good that you're supposed to do, and you know what God has called you to be, it doesn't matter how many times you try to make up for that by having more Bible studies, by reading more scripture, by praying more, by coming to church more, by doing all these other things. If you are not doing what God has told you to do, you are an unrepentant man. You're an unrepentant woman. Because repentance is not just action. And we'll do action. We'll bring a thousand bulls because we've realized we've wronged the Lord. We know it. We'll do everything but the thing he's told us to do. And that is not repentance. We like to negotiate. We like to try and offer up anything else other than this golden calf of sin that we hold on to. And the Lord knows that. Because the Lord knows that he's told you what to do. And the Lord knows that you know it. And so he's not going to be tricked by a thousand calves. He's not going to be tricked. By ten thousand rivers of oil, he won't even be tricked by your firstborn because he'll know you're still refusing to do the thing that he has told you already to do. a verse that is great is in Isaiah chapter one i love I love Isaiah one just because one I think it's great for like even addressing the, the question of abortion but look at look at Isaiah chapter one, we see the same thing the So just context, people of God are living in sin. Uh, They do not know God. You can just just follow along in Isaiah 1 and see this. They don't know God. Uh, They're a sinful nation. They're weighted down with iniquity. They've forsaken God. They have despised him. They're sick from head to toe. They're sick inside and out. They have become like Sodom and Gomorrah in both their actions and in the judgment that's going to come on them. And they're crying out to God. Now they're crying out to God to, to relent of the judgment that they can see coming. That he's told them is coming. They've asked him to turn. And they're lifting up hands in prayer. They're lifting up hands asking this. This is our ask. But what is the problem with their hands? Their hands are what? Covered with blood. Please God, oh turn. And the very reason he's coming, you're lifting up to him. If they truly return to God, if they truly repent, what's that gonna look like? Well, God tells them. You say you want to repent, you say you want me to repent. You want me to relent of what I have uh, said was coming. Uh, Look at verses 16 and 17. This is what their repentance would look like. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. If they truly want to return to the Lord, they truly want to repent, then they will do not just anything. They will do these very specific things. It will not just be this inward repentance nor will it just be any outward repentance. It will be inward, but it will then be very specific outward. If they truly are repentant, then they will stop doing evil and they will do good. And that means these very specific things of seeking justice, correcting oppression, bringing justice to the fatherless, pleading the widow's cause. So if there's true, if there is true repentance on their part, then they're going to do these specific things that God has already told them that they need to be doing. The reasons nations like Sodom and Gomorrah were already destroyed. Reasons that they had already met God's judgment before. Reasons the nations around them had met God's judgment. All of these things that they already know. So it won't just be if they do any action. It'll be when they do these specific ones. And the same thing is true of America. I mean, America looks a lot like Isaiah 1. Weighted down with iniquity. Forsaking God. Despising him. Sick from head to toe. Inside and out. Everyone, everywhere. If the church in America is going to repent. And repent of, I can't think of a more grievous sin than the sin of abortion. And and the church's culpability in that sin. If we are going to repent, then we can't just go around quoting 2 Chronicles 7. That's not the answer. If my people recall, but we can't just go around quoting that. We must go around correcting the oppression. True repentance will be seen in correcting the oppression. Will be seen in bringing justice to the fatherless. Will be seen in pleading the widow's cause. It will be seen in those specific actions being taken by taking place by God's people. And if God's people do not take those specific actions, it doesn't matter how many times they lift up their hands and say, your people are here and we're gathered and we're praying. And he says, your hands are still bloody. Your hands are still bloody. I would tell them they've probably been reading Second Chronicles 7 wrong all along. But also I'd say, but look at your hands even as you do it. You're lifting up hands, but you haven't washed them of what you did wrong. You haven't admitted and you haven't changed. You haven't done the right. So don't expect me to listen when you're still living in the wrong. Which is now looking at the time, what we're going to talk about next week. Because uh, I didn't get there. I didn't get there yesterday and I didn't get there today. Rats. Uh, what, are we, what do we see here though? Repentance is not just doing what you want it's good for us to know as christians again not just with the issue of abortion although that's where my heart is right now and we got that the rally coming up but in in every sin in our lives true repentance which is what is supposed to be the, the christian life of turning from sin and turning to god true repentance is done with with right action i mean we don't you don't need some special new revelation to figure out how to deal with your sin you know, you know, we don't need to, to figure out how we should respond to it. The Lord has told us. There's not some nuanced position for what you're going through. That you've just got to sort of maybe flesh out. What we just need to do is we just need to obey. It's simple. We just need to obey. And if we do that, then that would be true, genuine, biblical repentance. Let's pray. Just as, we, as we bow our heads, I just want us to take a moment to think about our lives and the repentance and repentance that we know we need to be doing in our lives. I want you to do just a quick eval of your own heart and your own life, the inward and outward. We've seen that, that there is an temptation uh, uh, in all of our lives when it comes to the issue of repentance. I don't know how many times people talk about sin and we, we, we automatically start thinking of a group other than us that needs to hear about this particular sin. We start hearing about repentance and we start thinking of all the people that we wish would hurry up and repent. And we, we break the mirror, right? We don't look at the mirror. We just look all around us. Just take a moment and, and let these texts mine your heart and your life. I want us to live a life of repentance. I want, us, I want our church to have a life of a constant turning from sin and turning to the Lord. If there's ever a moment where any of us has turned from the Lord and chased after anything else, I want us to return to him. But that repentance is going to bear fruit. It's going to be both inward and outward. It's not just going to be you even weeping. You may not have even wept at your sin ever. You may just see it and hate it and... uh, it, it doesn't matter if you're weeping at it. it, doesn't matter if you're trembling at the word of God while you're reading about it and you go, This is me, this is me, this is what I've done, oh Lord forgive me, oh Lord help me. It doesn't matter if you even do that. It's gotta be both inward and outward. And not just any old action. Some of you have known a sin that you've struggled with for a long time and you've seen it, you've recognized it, others have pointed it out to you and you have continued to do everything else other than that, even trying to offer God other areas of your life rather than killing that one, making explanations, making excuses, blaming others, maybe even blaming God himself. But true repentance won't be in offering a thousand rivers of oil to God. It won't be in giving everything else up to him. If you hold on to that thing, you know you should be rid of. Repentance is seen not just in doing something for the Lord, but in doing the right thing. So uh, two things I want to happen for us right now as we pray. One, is there any sin right now that the Lord is convicting you of that he is showing you you have recognized it, but you have not repented of it, at least true biblical repentance? You might have even confessed it. It might have taken place inwardly, but it hasn't taken place outwardly yet. You should confess that to the Lord. Confess your inaction. Confess your unrepentance. And then think about how. You can get to action on that, how you need to be killing that, what you need to do in your life. And if you need to come to me or Zach and say, how do I do this? What do I do? This is it, but it's, it's got a hold on me and I want to do the right. What is the right that the Lord lays out for me? Then do that. But do not just sit there and think that inward is enough. And do not think you can offer him anything other than what he has told you, oh man, that he wants from you. Is there any sin sitting in your heart right now that you have not repented of? And the second thing I want us to do with this is to see in this a valuable tool for the future. Because it may not be that you're struggling with any sin. You may, have, you may have confessed your sin. You may have repented of them. You may be sitting here great with the Lord today. But sin is going to come. It is going to seek you. And you might stumble along the way. You might walk in the light as 1 as John tells us, but you might stumble. And when you stumble, or when some sin catches your eye, I want you to know what repentance is going to look like. Because Satan will lie to you. Satan will lie to you and sell you a repentance short of biblical repentance. He will convince you that a thousand rivers of oil will be enough. He will convince you that more time at church will be enough. He'll convince you that more more giving will be enough. He'll convince you that more time will be enough. He'll convince you of all the other things to get you to do all the other things, but the one thing that you need to be doing. So already be setting in your mind what is biblical repentance so that when the lie comes, you will know the lie for what it is. That you know repentance bears fruit. It is inward and outward, and it is not just action. It is the right action. Father, we come to you today, a repentant people. Father, there are things in our lives that if it were not for you, Father, we would never have turned from them. You and your grace have, have turned us to you. And Father, you as a good father who disciplines his children, you pull our faces back to you whenever we go astray. And I thank you for that, Father. And I pray that one of the ways you do that in, in disciplining us and instructing us is not only do you discipline us to show us our sin, to lay that conviction, to cause us to weep, to cause us to tremble, you then give us instruction on how to return to you. Guidance, a laid out roadmap to return To the Lord our God, you who would have every right to with every sin have cut us off. And yet in your grace and in your mercy, you not just point us back to yourself, but you show us how to return. Father, may we be a people of repentance, a a people who return to the Lord and return the way you tell us to. We thank you, Father. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.